One of the main reasons why the spiritual is subject to the material is lack of contentment. Dr. Tony Evans says we can't get to godliness if we're not content with God's goodness. The contented man is the man or woman who knows that God is acting on their behalf. This is The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans, author, speaker, senior pastor of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas, Texas, and president of The Urban Alternative. Every day, we have the option to respond to our circumstances with either griping or gratitude. Today, Dr. Evans explains why the choice we make affects much more than the way we feel as he explores the motivation for godliness. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 for today's lesson. We have defined godliness as a lifestyle that is consistent with the character of God. Godliness does not mean perfection, but it does mean growth in consistency. Where we are both desirous and functioning in a way that reflects who God is. A visible demonstration of what he is like. We have explained that you can be religious and not be godly. Like a baby with a pacifier who thinks he's getting something but getting nothing. They're being faked out by something non-nutritional just because it feels good in their mouth. That's what church is for a lot of people. Because they suck on the pacifier of religion they think they're being nourished spiritually. Your soul, whether you know it or not, is begging for godliness. It's begging to be filled with more of God. And because the soul is not being filled with godliness, you wind up with a starving soul. A soul that is nutritionally deprived of what it is longing for once it has been converted and the spirit of God moves in it for experiencing more of God's presence in the soul. But there's a problem. It's a big problem. Because there is one thing above all other things that interrupts our move toward godliness. Among all the things that will hinder, limit, distort, deny our desire and pursuit of godliness, one thing reigns above all. And Paul tells Timothy, both for himself and both for the congregation at Ephesus, to make this point clear. Now, as we get into our study today, some of this will be a little uncomfortable. Some of it will be a little stretching. Somebody may even walk out, I don't know. But at least argue with the word of God and not with me. He says you want to be godly because there is a high profit margin in it. Notice what he says. He says at the end of verse 5, godliness is a means of great gain. The word gain means profit. A profit is the difference between your income and your expenses. It's that gap that gives us our profit margin. He says the reason why you ought not to be small thinking when it comes to godliness is the profit margin is a whopper. 
Not only a good prophet, he says it's a great prophet. So anybody who's interested in making a prophet, and I'm sure everybody here is, he says then you ought to be interested in godliness because with it comes a zinger, a high profit margin, great gain. But he says the thing that gets in the way is when you use godliness as a means of gain. The verse Five, end of verse five. You see this a lot today. People using religion for money. Prosperity theology. Not prospering, prosperity theology. Where you're using religion for the monetary benefit you can get out of it. Look at all the things folk want to be blessed with. And how much of it involves money. Either money itself, I want a raise, I want a better job, or things money can buy. I want a bigger house, I want a bigger car. So let me go to church to get my blessing. Let me, let me be more religious so that God will give me more money. So they use money as, or they use this camouflage of godliness for the financial benefit that will accrue to them. This thing called materialism or what he calls in verse 10, the love of money. Not money itself, we'll explain this in a moment, but loving for it and it goes on to say longing for it. Loving it and longing for it is the one thing that will block you from moving to godliness. Now, I know I've upset some folk already, but stick with me. Loving it and longing for it will put a stop to your move toward godliness. So he spends this whole chapter dealing with this subject. Now, I know many will immediately say, I don't love money. I date it. I fantasize about it. I scheme to get it, but I don't love money. Well, let's define materialism, the love of the love of stuff or money or what money can buy. It is when the physical stuff has a greater priority than the spiritual. You are a materialist or a lover of money. I am a materialist or a lover of money. When money or the stuff it can buy takes precedence over the spiritual. Or as Jesus said, when I don't seek first the kingdom of God and let all these things be added to me. My priority is flipped. Well, let's break it down, break it down, break it down. You are a materialist that is a lover of money. If you spend more time complaining about what you don't have than giving thanks for what you do have. You are a lover of money if your financial life is going up and your spiritual life is going down. You are a lover of money if you compromise spiritual principles to gain a profit. You are a lover of money if you're praying more for the growth of your cash than the growth of your character. You are the lover of money 
you treat people better who have it than people who don't. You are a lover of money if you rob God of his tithes and offerings in order to pocket all you get for yourself. All of those are illustrations of people who love money because loving money is not a feeling. It is a function because love is an act you do, not merely a feeling you have. So if you love money based on that definition of the spiritual becoming secondary to the material, if you love money, you have just blocked growth and godliness, which means you have stifled a greater profit margin. Because he says godliness, when done right, we'll explain that in a moment, brings great gain. So stay with me here. Some boys one day went into a department store and they wanted to be uh, mischievous. And so they switched tags. They put the tags of the expensive garments on the cheap garments and took the tags of the cheap garments and put it on the expensive garments. So people were paying a lot of money for junk and a little bit of money for excellence because they had switched tags. Our culture has switched tags. They have made the valuable things look cheap and the cheap things look valuable and we have spent our life into that which doesn't offer us great gain but actually distracts us from great gain because the material has been made secondary to the spiritual. This can happen in church. Churches can get into this thing of putting down people who don't and raising up people who do. Because somehow, so often, our attitudes shift. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, he who loves money will never be satisfied with it because it'll never be enough. He'll want something more and more and more. One lady said, anybody who says that money won't bring you happiness doesn't know where to shop. Because there is this idea that I can pay my way or buy my way or have in my pocket enough to make me happy. And yet when you look at the age of people who are committing suicide, you look at the fights of people as they go up, their marriages break up and all this other stuff. Evidently, the tags have been switched. And we have settled for less gain in removing ourselves from the primacy of godliness, a lifestyle consistent with the character of God. So if you really want to make a big profit, because I'm discussing here today great gain. I'm not discussing puny gain. If you want to really make a profit, he's going to tell you how to do it. He says, here it is, verse number six. But godliness actually is a means of great gain. That's a high profit margin. When accompanied by contentment. If you want your life to be a high profit margin and not a wasted limited profit margin, then a marriage needs to occur between your pursuit of godliness and your contentment in life. Lack of contentment will stifle godliness 
the presence of contentment with the pursuit of godliness will give you a profit margin that will blow your mind. Dr. Evans will expand on that thought when he returns with more of today's message in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about a fantastic set of resources we've put together this month that'll help you learn how to set higher standards, deepen your convictions, reinforce your faith, and live like an overcomer. The Jesus Challenge is an important look at what the Lord had to say in the first three chapters of Revelation to the seven churches and to us. You can get all eight full-length lessons in this series, as well as Tony's Living as an Overcomer book, workbook, and Bible study DVD, all designed to help you experience victory over sin and prevail in your present circumstances. And as an added bonus, we are also including digital downloads of all the messages in his current teaching series called In Pursuit of Godliness, taking you deep into Scripture to explore how God allows us to approach Him and reproduce His goodness in our lives. This study bundle is one of the biggest offers we've ever made, and the entire package can be yours as our thank you gift when you make a donation to help keep Tony's teaching on this station. So find out more at TonyEvans.org or call us at 1-800-800-3222 where members of our resource team are available day and night to help with your request. That's 1-800-800-3222. I'll have that contact information for you again after the second part of today's lesson. Here's Dr. Evans. One of the main reasons why the spiritual is subject to the material is lack of contentment. Contentment means inner sufficiency in spite of external circumstances. Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6 says that the contented man is the man or woman who knows that God is acting on their behalf. Contentment is not complacency. Contentment is being at ease where I am until God allows me to go beyond where I am. It's being at rest where I am. We live in a world that has as its full-time job making you discontent. You don't have nice enough clothes. You don't drive a nice enough car. You don't live in a big enough house. You don't hang out with the best kind of people. And they are always comparing you with the Joneses in order to make you feel less content with where you are. And contentment has to be learned. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Paul says, I've learned to be content. How do you learn? Because it doesn't come naturally because we often just naturally discontent. How do you learn? Paul says the way I learned to be content is that God would lift me up and then he would take me down. He would abound me and then he would abase me. Sometimes I'd be doing good. Sometimes I'm barely making it. And God let me go through the ups and downs to teach me to rest in him whether it was up or down. So you teach contentment not by always having it all, but by barely having it all and learning to be okay there. It reminds me of the story of the New York businessman who wanted to get away from the hustle and bustle. He just needed to be by himself and get some rest. So he flew to Mexico and went to a, a little Mexican town far away, you know, from all the, the high-tech stuff. And he went out, walked on the beach, just wanted to relax a little bit, came across a Mexican fisherman. 
The Mexican fisherman was having a siesta right there in the middle of the day, looking out on the ocean. So he struck up a conversation with the Mexican fisherman. He said, uh, uh, tell me who you are. He gave him his name. He said, what do you do? He said, oh, I fish. He said, well, you, are you off today? He says, no, I went out fishing this morning, and I've, I've caught my allotment for today, so I'm just kind of chilling right now. He said, well, wait, wait, you just caught your allotment for the day? Yeah, and then I'll come back out tomorrow, and I'll catch my allotment for tomorrow. Well, how many fish did you catch? He told him. He said, well, you know, I'm, I'm an investment guy in New York. Based on what you told me today, if you would double your workload, then what you could do is you would have a greater profit. When you did that long enough, you could buy additional boats. When you did that long enough, then you could build your own cannery. When you did that long enough, all the other fishermen would then have to come to you. When your cannery got big enough, then I could connect you in New York with folk who do that, who would expand your market share. When they expanded your market share, then you could go public with your new business. Mexican guy said, well, and then what I do? He said, well, then you could relax on the beach and chill. He said, well, isn't that what I'm doing right now? Because we live in a world that wants to make us discontent. Wants to make us put the spiritual aside for the physical. Now watch this. But those, verse 9, who would get rich fall into temptation. Harmful desires which plunge men into ruin. Verse 17, instruct those who are rich. In one verse, he says, folk who want to get rich. In the other verse, he says, tell the folks who already are rich. Stay with me now. In one verse, folk who want to get rich. If I were to ask a show of hands, but I ain't trying to embarrass nobody, how many folk in here want to be rich? If you told the truth and shame the devil, probably the majority of the hands would go up. If I ask another group to raise your hand who already are rich, probably fewer hands would go up because most people probably don't believe they are rich. So we need to define who's rich before I can go on with this sermon so we can get this thing straight. First of all, let me make you feel good before I take you down. First of all, God is not against being rich. Because he says, instruct those who are rich and not only instruct them, but watch this at the end of verse 17. He says, which God richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. So if you are rich, however we define it, and I'm getting ready to find it in a moment, it's okay to be rich if you're legitimately rich and God expects you to enjoy being rich. So God is not against being rich. And if you are legitimately rich, he says, God wants you not only to enjoy it, but to enjoy it richly. Okay, so now you feel okay. Let's back up. 
because we need to determine who's rich. Most people define rich or usually can't define it because they're measuring rich against the standard of somebody who makes more. So if one person makes $100,000 and another person makes three, the three is rich, the hundred is not. One person makes three, another makes six. The, the six is rich, the other not. Because So it's a moving target in the world. It's not a moving target in the Bible. So we're going to find out who the rich folk are here today. Because the, the issue is not money. The issue is godliness. But he knows that money, materialism, gets in the way of the pursuit of godliness. Or can get in the way when you love it. Not when you have it, but when you love it. Now, who's rich? Here it is. Here it is. Hold on. Verse 8. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. Godliness with contentment brings great gain. Stay with me. And if we have food for our stomachs, clothes on our back, covering over our head, shelter, with this we should be chilling at ease. At peace. Call. Dr. Tony Evans, reminding us that godliness requires an attitude of gratitude on our part. And he's here right now with a word on how that can start. A lot of people exist, but don't feel like they're living. The good news of the gospel is Jesus came to give you life. That is the experience of God's reality operating within you. That's what the Bible calls eternal life. So he gives you heaven as a location, but eternal life is an experience. And he gives it to you for free. That's what grace is about. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't be religious enough to get it, but you can receive it. And so God offers the opportunity for you right now to receive the forgiveness of sins and the free gift of eternal life, which will set in motion a whole lifelong experience of growing in the knowledge of God. So let's get this thing started right now by you going to Jesus Christ and saying to him, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross in my place for my sin. I now accept you as my personal substitute. Come into my life. I receive you now as my only Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life that you promised to give me if I came to you for it. Thank you for your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, we invite you to visit Dr. Evans' website, TonyEvans.org. And follow the link at the very top of the page that says Jesus. You'll find plenty of information and resources there to help you get your new life in Christ headed in the right direction. And while you're on the website, be sure to check out that special bundle of resources I mentioned earlier. The eight-message sermon series called The Jesus Challenge. Along with the Living as an Overcomer book, workbook, and Bible study DVD. Plus the four-part In Pursuit of Godliness message collection on downloadable MP3s. It's a huge package of life-changing resources, and it's our gift to you with thanks when you make a contribution in support of Tony's ministry. So contact us today or tomorrow at TonyEvans.org to get the details and make the arrangements. Or call our 24-hour resource center at 1-800-800-3222.
and let one of our team members help you. And then before we go, let me quickly mention an exciting opportunity coming up this November for the Alternative Listening family. You're invited to join Dr. Evans on a cruise of renewal to the Mexican Riviera. To find out more and to secure your spot on board, just visit TonyEvans.org. Some activities in life are of fleeting significance, while other pursuits can return benefits that go on and on. Tomorrow, Dr. Evans will explain why practicing godliness falls into the latter perpetual rewards category. I hope you'll join us. The Alternative with Dr. Tony Evans is brought to you by The Urban Alternative and is made possible by the generous contributions of listeners like you. 